Welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Heather. And today we will be discussing The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. As usual, let's talk about our fuel for this discussion. What are you drinking, Heather? Uh, Nothing caffeinated, surprisingly. It should be, but it's been crazy in my household. Everyone has COVID but me. So I didn't have time to run out and buy myself a nice fancy coffee. So I'm just having some tropical flavored water. Okay. Yes. That's right. Hydrating is good, especially when everyone is getting sick. Yeah, I know. Exactly. My beverage is caffeinated, but it is not coffee. I'm having a chai tea with some honey to hopefully get rid of my hem. So bear with me if we hear any (laughs) gross vocal fry. Can't help it. Anyway, so cheers. Cheers. All right, let's get right into it. So Nikki Ehrlich graduated from Harvard, summa cum laude, and was an editor at the Harvard Crimson, and she earned her master's in global thought from Columbia University. Okay, sis, go off. (laughs) Right? Two things right off the bat. Flexing hard with that Harvard and Columbia degree, and also a master's in global thought. Sounds so intriguing. What even is that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Oh, great. Because I had never heard of that before, obviously. But apparently it's an interdisciplinary degree that challenges students to explore new concepts and questions to explain the complexities of our interconnected and changing world. Global thought students learn to ask critical questions rather than offer prescriptive answers to global problems. So basically just thinking outside the box. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to define it is because in the context of the novel that we're going to be talking about, it fits. Yeah, it does. Like, I I see the connection. Mm-hmm. So anyway... Nikki was a travel writer exploring nearly a dozen countries. She's also worked as a ghostwriter in a variety of different roles. And, of course, The Measure is her debut novel. Is this all we cover on this podcast? I don't know. It might be. Could be. (laughs) It was published in June 2022. And it has been translated into 22 languages. It was nominated for Goodreads Best Science Fiction and Best Debut Novel in 2022. And it was selected as Jenna Bush Hager and the Today Show's hashtag Read with Jenna book club pick, as well as the Barnes and Noble Discover pick. So Read with Jenna is a book club hosted by Jenna Bush Hager, a co-host of the Today Show. Every month, she picks a new book to read together with the book club members and discuss. So her book club is aimed at strengthening communities and igniting conversations over novels that would entertain or challenge readers' perspectives. So it's like Reese Witherspoon's book club, but on a smaller scale, from what I can Mm -hmm. tell. And I noticed that her books are definitely not as diverse genre-wise as Reese's book club. But she had a couple like this one. She had a a Kristen Hanna book on there. Like there's definitely some that I recognized. So all these people with their book clubs. I I know. For real. Including us. But but ours is much darker than these other ones. Anyway, so (laughs) this book is actually kind of hard to define genre wise. But I think most accurately, it's just contemporary or specialty fiction. It's not really dystopian because it's taking place in a world exactly like ours just with the strings added and some say there's like a science fiction element but i don't think i would define the strings as sci-fi what do you think i don't think i would either it's kind of it, it is definitely hard to define what that brings to the table because there's no real 
resolution of how they came there. So it, exactly, I can understand that. Not... It's it's so you leave it you leave it to your own interpretation. I would say, but I yeah. would agree that it's definitely contemporary fiction with just a really cool storyline. Yeah, because there's nothing that takes place in order for the strings to come, which would make mm-hmm. it like dystopian or something. Yeah. It just happens, like it could happen tomorrow to us. We'll get to that. Anyway, so here is the Goodreads summary. Eight ordinary people, one extraordinary choice. It seems like any other day. You wake up, pour a cup of coffee, and head out. But today, when you open your front door, waiting for you is a small wooden box. This box holds your fate inside. The answer to the exact number of years you will live. From suburban doorsteps to desert tents, every person on every continent receives the same box. In an instant, the world is thrust into a collective frenzy. Where did these boxes come from? What do they mean? Is there truth to what they promise? As society comes together and pulls apart, everyone faces the same shocking choice. Do they wish to know how long they'll live? And if so, what will they do with that knowledge? The measure charts the dawn of this new world through an unforgettable cast of characters whose decisions and fates interweave with one another. Best friends whose dreams are forever entwined. Pen pals finding refuge in the unknown. A couple who thought they didn't have to rush. A doctor who cannot save himself. And a politician whose box becomes the powder keg that ultimately changes everything. So that really sets it up. I think it's weird that they start with eight ordinary people when, yes, they're focusing on these people. But we're it is much bigger than that. Yeah, but I guess because it's from the point of view of just eight people. Yeah, because they only have chapters from the points of view mm-hmm. of eight. Let me also start by saying this is a very intense book to be reading right now on the back end of a global pandemic and in a time of social and political unrest. So I think that that definitely influences the way this book will be received and discussed, not just with us, but as a whole. Agreed. That being said, We'll talk a little bit about each of these characters and how their world is kind of affected by these boxes, and then we'll get into some into some discussion questions. So, as the summary says, everyone wakes up one morning to find a small, indestructible box delivered to them, and inscribed on every box was a simple yet cryptic message: "The measure of your life lies within." So, of course, at first, no one really believes what's happening because why would you? It's outrageous. Mm -hmm. But pretty soon, scientists begin to study the string lengths and people who are dying suddenly or people who have short strings versus long strings and their health and their possibly chronic conditions. And they prove that the strings are actually real and they start the process of narrowing down exactly how much time each string signifies. I was kind of surprised how quickly that it jumped to the science and that the scientists started working on it. Yeah, and I thought it was kind of, I almost wish we had a little bit more information on how they determined how they could figure out the lifespan of everybody, because Mm -hmm. they said in the book it was narrowed down to minutes or hours. (laughs) And it's like, you don't have a big enough testing period to pull from or Mm -hmm. like testing pool or whatever. Yeah. So that part was kind of glazed over, but I get it. I get it. I get where we have to go with that. So we'll start with a few of our main characters. Nina and Mora have been in a relationship for two years. And while at first they decided not to open their boxes until they know more about them, Nina caves because Mora is very determined and they discover that Mora has a short string and Nina's is considerably long. Heartbreaking. How do you even comprehend? 
Yeah, I don't know. And this is like a what would seem like probably a very common occurrence. Absolutely. And then we meet Ben, who also has a short string. He's super nervous to tell his family, and he has been betrayed in the way that he found out about his string. This fucked me up, man. So he, his girlfriend at the time, opened his box, looked at his string, and then confronted him about the length of his string and then broke up with him because his string was short. Wild. What do you what do you think of this betrayal? It's not fair, obviously, to either party realistically, but it's definitely not fair to Ben because mm-hmm. maybe he didn't want to look at his string and he didn't want to know what his lifespan was. And it's unfair that Claire was more or less, I'm a peace out now because mm-hmm. you only have X amount of years left. And instead of spending those that time with you because I love you, I'm going to head out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing two completely different ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. where Nina and Mora decide to stay together and work through it and Claire can't handle it but she also took something that's so immensely personal mm-hmm. and just tore it away from him and didn't even give him that time to process and then later on he says even in the moment when she was confronting him even though he didn't do anything wrong she was only thinking about herself like she didn't say hey sorry that you're gonna die soon buddy like she was just like all right i'm out yeah exactly she sounds fucking horrible so good for ben realistically he's probably better off yeah i don't think those would have been a good 10 years together which 10 years is not nothing we got to talk about the scope of time, but we'll get there. Anyway, Ben starts going to a support group for people with short strings. And here's where we start to get to this web of connected people. Ben and Mora are both at the support group along with several other key characters. And the support group happens to be at a school where Amy, Nina's sister, works as an elementary school teacher. There's a lot of people. Just try and stick with us. So we also meet Hank. I love Hank. I think Hank was my favorite out of everyone. His point of view and his story was my favorite out of everybody's. I also think that he got the best development and Mm -hmm. treatment and story start to finish. Agreed. So Hank is a doctor at New York Memorial, and he gets a pretty unique view of the unrest of people with short strings. They're coming into the hospital in a frenzy, trying to figure out if they're sick, demanding to know what's wrong with them. Basically, they want to know, do I have some type of visible visible sickness or am I going to die in a car crash or traumatically like they just need some type of answers and because of this overwhelming amount of short stringers with no visible symptoms they start to get turned away because there's just nothing that the doctors can do for them in the emergency room no and it's and basically a waste of resources exactly and they're clogging up resources for people who it sounds fucked up but people who are actually going to live Mm-hmm. Or people who, you know, get into a car accident and need to have their legs saved. And that's not even a life and death situation. It's, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so anyway, so they start to get turned away. And here is where we get our first act of violence that people associate directly with the strings. So an active shooter enters the hospital and opens fire, killing several people and ultimately being killed himself. And you guessed it. This is where the politicians get involved. Of course, because it's almost an election year. Shocker. So we're still in the very beginning stages of the strings and not really knowing what they mean, not having everything narrowed down to a perfect science. It's just kind of an estimate of 
10 to 15 years, eight to 10 years. Like it's just, it's not narrowed down enough. So there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of unrest. Half the people still don't even know if they should be believing it. Half the people, you know what I mean? Like it's Mm -hmm. just, it's, it's an in-between time. So Anthony is running for president based on a campaign that is solely based on string visibility and fear-mongering, especially after another violent act, which they initially linked to the short stringers. So there's an an assassination attempt at his rally, and he blames the woman responsible for being a short stringer and being unhinged and trying to take him down. And Anthony is disgusting and a true politician, and he wants to strike fear into the citizens and is fully leaning into the discriminatory aspect of the strings. Now, the only good that comes out of this assassination attempt is Hank, who we find out was actually an even shorter stringer than we initially thought, throws himself in front of the shooter. And it's kind of a weird mixed message. He did it because his initial instinct is just to sacrifice himself for the because he's a doctor, because he's spent his whole life trying to save others. But then other people are saying, oh, he specifically tried to save this presidential candidate, even though then we find out that that can't be the case because Hank is a short stringer and Anthony hates short stringers. It's just, it's very complicated. It's a web. And they, it's a web. And the, they explain how the news just kind of runs with it in whichever way that they feel like. Yeah. Which is so Which accurate. Is, that's, I was going to say, that's what the news does now. Exactly. Whatever headline can get the most clicks is what they're going to run with. Exactly. And so Anthony uses this as really the catalyst for his campaign. So the government enacts a mandate saying that all FBI field agents, active military and high level security clearance government officials are required to disclose their string length. And it starts a debate about the string length being a way to discriminate. Same with race, sexual orientation, etc. And one of the other candidates says, We've made it illegal to discriminate on the basis of race, gender, disability, and age, but forcing candidates to show their strengths would be condoning an entirely new category of discrimination. It's true. It is. And it's something that's so unknown. It's just a whole new way to discriminate because- I know. Aren't we always looking for one? And it gives the sense that if you're a long string compared to a short string, your life matters more than a short stringer. A thousand percent and that you are more of sound mind and that you are more responsible, etc. Like it's just, it really snowballs. And then we get this kind of act of rebellion where Jack, who is Anthony's nephew, and Jack's roommate and best friend, Javi, switch strings for the military. And it basically tears apart their friendship. It brings this question of of fairness. Obviously, none of it is fair, so I'm using that word ironically. But this question of fairness where Javi is desperate to defend his country and make his family proud and serve in the military in a real and powerful way. And because of fate, he's not able to fully do that. And even with the lie, he's not going to have that full life of service that he's craving. And meanwhile, Jack is benefiting from being in this powerful family with this long stringer outlook. And he has no idea what his purpose is. He has no desire to live out this military fate that's been set before him. 
What did you think about their storyline as a whole? Like not just their friendship, but how it was, how it got so much bigger than that. And they really let it, really let it tear them apart. It's like you said, it's a snowball effect because they're presented with this opportunity where you have Javi, who all he wants to do is serve his country. And because his string was short, he wouldn't have that luxury. He would just be put at a desk job because he only had, what was it, like seven or eight years or something like that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they're not going to put him out in the field because they'd rather have the longevity of lives out there to help the casualties be lower. And then there's more people, I would, you know, on the soldier front, no one's dying. So it's, it's unfair for Javi. And then you have Jack, who, like you said, has no interest in the military, was kind of forced into this. He doesn't know his purpose. He's extremely lost. And because he's so lost and doesn't know who he who he is as a person, him like discovering himself doesn't happen till much later on. And I think because he was so unsure of him and w- what his power really was with having a long string coming from the politician family, he doesn't really think about Javi and where Javi's coming from. He just kind of... Mm-hmm is selfish in a way but also not selfish it's it's hard it's like it's like a double-sided coin because you see the pros and you see the cons but him and javi have this great relationship and he kind of he mucks it all up because we get that internal struggle with him too where he's like yeah this is working out perfect for javi all he has to do is lie to the military and lie to his family and all this stuff but secretly jack is like this is good for me too because i don't want to be out there on the front lines i don't want to be carrying out this life that's expected of me so he is doing all that like you said with a selfish edge to it but he still wants javi to be happy it's his best friend he knows how much this means to him he Mm -hmm. knows how much this means to his family and so in his opinion he's doing absolutely everything that he can and i think that Javi is just so struck by the unfairness of it all that he's like, that's all you're going to do. You're not going to run up to your uncle and scream in his face that just because I have a short string, I can't serve my country. Like, no matter what Jack does, it's never going to be enough. Yeah. And I also think he doesn't recognize the inner struggle that Javi is facing because now he's living a life of deceit. He's lying to the military. He's Mm -hmm. lying to his family. His family thinks that he's going to be around for a very long time when in reality, he's not going to. So, And he can't even Mm -hmm. tell his parents that until he dies. So his parents have to deal with the fact that they thought they were going to have their son for X amount of years when in fact, it's the opposite. And so how do you change your mindset like that? When you you have this opportunity of knowing how long you're going to have someone, but realistically, it's a lie. So Javi is living on this deceit. Exactly. And his entire motive for everything was making his family proud. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, he's going to make them proud. I mean, it sounds like his family would be proud of him no matter what. Yeah. Especially because this is something he can't control. But all he thinks about is making his family proud. And in the end, like you said, he has to lie to them. He has to disappoint them. And they have to come to terms with the fact that he's going to die young and they're going to lose their son. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. So that, yeah, that whole storyline is is very upsetting because it is another side that we're seeing. It is best friends and how this can tear apart 
their relationship, even if they both had the best intentions. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the best intentions don't work out how you expect them to. And there's no matter what, I feel like there's just a consequence to your decisions and your actions, good or bad. Exactly. Exactly. And it's hard, especially because they were so young, Mm -hmm. for them to accept that. Mm -hmm. So the book switches between these very specific acts in these very specific characters' lives to broader events going on. And it kind of switches back and forth, mostly through like message boards or news articles or, you know, summaries like that. So while this is going on, a lot of people have turned to religion or faith, some to aliens or conspiracy theories. There's a quote in the book, for many, the strings were either proof of predestination or just another reminder of the stark randomness of life, the inequities of luck. But surely the chaos didn't feel so chaotic if you believed it was part of God's plan. And this makes sense in in such an unknown time. Of course, people who are already introduced to faith or religion in some capacity, they're going to cling to it. They're going to search for answers because how can this be real? Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's too big to comprehend. It is. So long stringers start taking unnecessary risks, doing drugs, knowing that they won't die, but also not taking into effect that they can still be injured. Like, I know. Like, sure, I'll go skydiving. <laughs> and I'm like, you could be paralyzed. But it's okay. just this this concept that, oh, okay, I'm going to live until I'm 80. So I'm gonna go wild and be- nothing's going to happen to me. But that's not what the string signifies. It just signifies that you will live until this day, but it doesn't it doesn't map out that you're going to be healthy and that everything's going to be exactly. grand. That's kind of up to you. And so taking all these chances on doing drugs and doing crazy wild things it's, mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything there, realistically. There are people who live to be in their 80s and they probably wish that they hadn't mm-hmm. because of not taking care of their health and not taking care of their bodies. So just because you're living a long life doesn't mean that you should abuse that life. And also, it doesn't seem like there's any way out if you change your mind and decide Mm -hmm. that maybe I fucked up doing all those drugs. Yeah, which is an interesting concept in itself. Because how does that tie into the ideation of like suicide and things Mm -hmm. like that? And now because you're going to have this long life, this means that you can't cut it short on your own. If you if you intended to. And it is they have one example of that of that couple who gets married Mm -hmm. and they jump off a cliff or something and the long stringer survives and the short stringer Mm -hmm. dies and he said I knew I wasn't gonna die. Like so you can't even take your fate into your own hands. Like your fate is decided. It is, hundred percent. And the worst part is no one's really looking at the long stringers and these decisions as anything wrong with them like they're just kind of glazed over because everyone is so focused on the short stringers so short stringers are getting targeted they're getting fired from their jobs health insurance premiums are increasing and a small number start acting Mm -hmm. out the shootings stealing money getting revenge on others because they know they won't serve any time and if they do it's going to be extremely short so it's that's the other side of the coin of if you have a short life you can it's like the purge yeah more or less exactly that's exactly what i got to so there's a quote in there both embittered and emboldened by the knowledge that they wouldn't live to suffer a lengthy imprisonment some short stringers felt almost invincible there was no need to fear death row if you were already sitting there 
And it's true. Like when they said that, I was like, holy shit, what's mm-hmm. going to stop you? Because you're already angry that your life is being cut short in this finite and ridiculous way. And what's going to stop you from acting out in anger and getting revenge on someone? Mm-hmm. Or you know what I mean? Like it's it's a decision every single time that something happens because you don't really have those consequences. No. And also the, the, the people with short string, even though they're doing these acts of craziness, they also don't, they're being so selfish in a sense that they're also not thinking of how it could affect a person with like a long string. So say they're going right. on like a shooting spray or something and they harm someone. And now this person's going to be paraplegic because this, this guy decided he wanted to, to take his anger out. And then, so now he, an innocent is suffering Mm -hmm. so there's so much there's it's like a literal web it's you have to there's so many you think of a scenario and then once you have a scenario in mind you think of 700 little scenarios within it and what it the consequences are and what the outcomes are and it's mm-hmm. no thanks mm-hmm. no thanks and then there's another big part of it so some short stringers decide to od on pills it says before their time but it's right around their time because mm-hmm. there's no going early so basically so that they won't die tragically or painfully or unexpectedly and technically it's illegal but it's basically the same as terminally ill patients oh, so yeah. shouldn't they get to have a say in their own death Mm -hmm. so that's a whole nother aspect to even think of yeah yeah this book is deep deep deep, but deep but good (laughs) so it becomes really hard for long stringers and short stringers to relate and even communicate and nina and mora are a big Mm -hmm. example of this so mora especially has a very hard time she's a black gay woman who never found a place that she truly belonged And finally, she finds a cause that she wants to fight for, even if it does make her angry. Like, she is pissed about this extra layer of discrimination that's now being put on her. But she realizes, okay, this is finally something that is worth fighting for, that I can actively fight for, that doesn't already have these preconceived notions. Yep like those other discriminatory features. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So the support group starts attending rallies and protests and really trying to find a way to fight against this narrative that the government is putting forth. And I love how they banded together and they Mm -hmm. became this kind of family because they actually understood each other. Yeah. And it's, they all are coming from the same point of view and they know, they don't know what to expect, but they know that their mindset is so much different than a long stringer's mindset like you can definitely see that within the 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 depth of nina and mora's relationship they're so different mind minded about the Mm -hmm. situation too there's this you know the scenario where mara wants to fight and go to a rally and nina's kind of like and she wants nina to go and nina's has you get the idea that she has no interest in it she does but she doesn't because she doesn't relate to it yeah and so and she's trying so hard to be supportive mm-hmm. but she the fact of the matter is just that she can't yeah she cannot understand what it, it's the same exact way that she cannot understand how mora has been discriminated against for being yeah. black yeah it's the same way that other people can't relate to the, them them being discriminated against because they're gay like mm-hmm. it's just another layer of things that yes you can be empathetic towards and you can try and understand but you're not going to fully understand no and so it's a way for this group to find a common ground and they're the only ones who really can understand each other like that 
it's a relatable situation and they understand each other on a, a different level than anyone else could. And exactly. It's, exactly. I love it. Like you said, it's like this little family that bands together. It's I like And they're there too. to support each other. Mm-hmm. They were there to mourn Hank together. Like they they really come together in these times of happiness and sadness and mm-hmm. anger and et cetera and frustration. Like they just they're just a really great support group. I don't yeah. know. We're just going to keep saying it. No. But you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's like <laughs> you have your chosen, they're like chosen family. Un- right. An unexpected chosen family that, yeah, they're just, it's the best. Mm-hmm. And we obviously are not getting into all of the characters, but the fact that they all come from such different backgrounds mm-hmm. and different religions and different faiths and different upbringings and it doesn't matter because like Mm -mm. you said, they're chosen family. Yeah. And we can't skip over the fact that this is extremely common, especially politicians using anything they can get their hands on to get an edge to marginalize a community based on a small set of data or based on fear mongering alone. It's disgusting. It's ridiculous. These people have no control over the length of their string and yet they're being punished and grouped based on a factor that like i said they cannot control mm-hmm. let that sink in for a second sounds mm-hmm. familiar <laughs> before i get to kelsey on the podcast um we need to talk about amy and ben are you ready to talk about amy and ben yes okay so they start out as anonymous pen pals and eventually they're okay their pen pal stuff is very sweet mm-hmm. Amy is just lost in her books and contemplating the meaning of life, refuses to look in her box. And her and Ben, she knows that she's exchanging letters with a short stringer. And then they meet in person and she falls in love with him, but then starts doubting their relationship. And I have issues with this, Amy. Okay. I was getting real pissed for her not wanting to move forward with Ben because she specifically knew his string length when you don't even know your own string length. And of course, you knew all along that this girl's string had to be had to be short, okay? We knew that it was coming in this book, but like, girl, who were you judging when you should have just opened your fucking box? It also to me when I got to the point where she was being so doubtful and negative about the whole situation with Ben, it seems so out of character for her because she's this swept up she's so swept up in the romance of novels and mm-hmm. all she wants it's you get the vibe throughout her her storyline that all she wants is a relationship that you find in a book. And she gets that realistically with Ben. It's a meet cute with the notes. It's a meet cute when they meet in real life. Like, it's what more could you ask for? And so when she's so against dating Ben because she can't understand how to deal with his his life being short, then you shouldn't have even continued the pen pal relationship. Because exactly. you knew that it was going to to develop into something more even if it wasn't romantic it's still you're still creating a bond with this person so mm-hmm. what's the difference if you're a friend with them and they they have a 10-year lifespan you're just going to stop being friends with them because you can't handle it and how can you make that decision girl your string could say two years left mm-hmm. like you're being so unfair to him and then when she lets it kind of get in the way of her relationship with her sister because you know she thinks Nina and Mora are rushing and she doesn't support Nina's decision to marry Mora and just spend their remaining years together that also that I'm like part what? when she came for Nina 
about that with the same thing. How are you going to marry her when you know that she Mm -hmm. can't? That also seems so out of character. Like this was this was probably the one thing that tripped me up mm-hmm. that and that took me out of the the story because it just didn't line up with who the character that she was building was. Yeah. And I, I agree. That was and, probably the one thing that I truly disliked. Mm-hmm. And like we said, she wanted this fairy tale and then throughout you know you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like you know that there's she doesn't have all of these concerns and they're making such a big deal about her not looking at her string and then she's gonna have this long ass string and live until she's 90 so i thought that the way that they died together was a good ending to their story i thought it was the only way that it could round out their story but it still pissed me off that broke me that they Mm -hmm. died together and it was the the perfect ending to their story and a twist that I never saw coming. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. be honest, my the way that Amy's story was came across and as you're reading it, you felt like she was going to be a long stringer and that she was going to raise her children on her own and everything and it turns out like her and Ben were literally and it's just it's it's kismet, you know? These two mm-hmm. people whose strings are the same length end up meeting each other without even meaning to and they both Mm -hmm. bring something to each other's lives that they both desperately needed and wanted and the fact that ben was so understanding uh, even during her initial Mm -hmm. hesitations he was so patient with her he was willing to make it work even though that he knew that she had these reservations and then as they give a little summary of their life before they both pass like he's so focused on yeah i know that i'm not going to see my kids graduate high school but i'm going to be there for their little league games i'm going to see them take their first step i'm gonna take them to the park and the zoo and enjoy as many years as i can Mm -hmm. with them like he just he finds a way to look at this in such a positive light and it's like even though you can see the resemblances between him and Mara and their stories. Ben is definitely less angry. He's less negative. Like he, he focuses on, we don't have a choice. And this is just the hand that we're dealt. And this is how we have to deal with it. And the whole time, Amy could have known that she only had those 10 years or however long with her children. And she could have been savoring it the same way that Ben was. And instead, she was kind of preparing herself for how she's going to be a mother Mm -hmm. to her children once Ben passed. And that was fucked up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not a fan of Amy. Not a fan. (laughs) But overall, the short string is a real conundrum. Because there's the freedom to live your remaining time as you want, but there's also the negative side where there's no real long-term consequences like we talked about that keep us relatively tied to some moral compass. Then you have the long string where you can be grieving the loss of other family and loved ones and also taking advantage of how much time you have left and maybe not appreciating it as much. Mm Mm-hmm. The fact is, we all know that we're going to die someday, but this tangible, measurable timetable is that powerful. Mm -hmm. So there's a quote from the book about this measure and that the message on the box doesn't necessarily mean how many years you have, but it's the impact that your life has. Mm -hmm. 
And it says, maybe that's not the only measure we have. Maybe there are thousands of other ways we can measure our lives, the true quality of our lives that lie within us, not within some box. And by your own measure, you can still be happy. You can live well. And at the end, they talk about how those who lost loved ones early or tragically were able to accept it a little more because they knew there was nothing to be done to prevent it. It was just meant to be that way. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's a little horrible silver lining. It's true. So are you ready to get to some semi-personal discussion questions? Sure. <laughs> Heather, would you open your box? You know, I've I thought about this the entire time that I was reading this book because this book sent me on a tailspin. It was, mm -hmm. I fell down this thought rabbit hole and death for me is probably one of my biggest fears. It's something that gives me so much anxiety, especially now being a mom. It's oh yeah, completely changes every it really changes everything, and I worry that <sighs> there's pros and cons to it because if I were to open my box and say Eric opened his box and we're like in a situation when we were like Nina and Mara, I know hands down that I would want to savor the life that we remaining life that we had with each other. But if I had the longer string, he had the shorter string. It's hard to think about. You have to think about your what your life will look like after, and that can affect your relationship now. Because you're thinking of the future Absolutely. and like vice versa. So realistically, I want to say that I would, but I don't think I'd want to. I think that because really? I'm such, yes, because I'm such a planner and I need to like know everything, I think, and it's stretching that in itself is a stressor for me. If I knew what the time that I had, I think I would try to shove so much into my life that I wouldn't be able to actually savor it and enjoy it. Whereas I can just take it day by day and mm -hmm. accept my fate when it happens. That is a good point. And that's living the way that we live now, mm -hmm. never knowing when it's going to happen. I don't think that I would want to open my box, but I 1000% would. I think I would just eventually do it because of the not knowing and having it mm -hmm. so close within my grasp. I just don't think I would be able like I, I would never sleep because I would no. just be thinking about the box all yeah. the time. Uh -huh. So I, I'm opening that box. <laughs> so would you want to open your box with someone else or alone if you opened it? With someone. That's not something I'd want to do on my own. Okay. I think this is this is a layered question. I would say alone, especially where I am in my life right now. I've tried to rely less on other people for emotional stability and process my own feelings before turning to others. It's kind of a way of not having to deal with having expectations, like how you mm -hmm. expect someone to respond. I do think the layer is that there's a difference between opening at the same time as someone else and just having moral support to open it because you have to eliminate those possible feelings of jealousy or comparison or guilt. Like you said, if, if you and your husband open them at the same time, like immediately there's that comparison. Immediately, uh -huh. yes, you have that support of each other, but immediately if your strings are not the same length, you're not on the same level anymore. Uh -huh. So that's why it's kind of like such a, such a layer. Such yeah, a I don't think I'd want to open my box the same time as someone. I think I, I would be that layer where I would just have someone there as moral support. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it could definitely be a very dark thing to go through by yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the author chooses to make the box receiving age 22. Why do you think they went with 22? Because this is not a an age that we normally associate with adulthood. So do you think that it's a good age? Do you think it should have been sooner, later? 
think it actually be a good age because what is it? Your brain is fully formed at 24. So well, for, for men, it's like 40, but. <laughs> but yeah, so like you don't have, you don't have your full, everything is not fully intact until you're 24. So it kind of gives you an opportunity for those couple of years when you're still iffy on decision making <laughs> that mm-hmm. you don't have to, I guess you don't have to feel guilty, but it also could help you make better decisions at the same time. And I think that 22 is a good age because that's like a pinnacle of your life where you're just got out of college for a majority of people. And so you're trying to figure out what trajectory you want your life to go on. So if you're 22 and you find out you have a long string, then you could decipher what kind of career and what kind of life you want. But if you have a short string, you might put your career on hold because you'd rather have life experiences over having a job. Mm -hmm. So I think 22 is a good age. I fully agree with everything that you said. But I my initial thought was that I think it is a little young. I think that's a lot of knowledge to hold at that pinnacle time in your life when you're still trying to figure out your purpose and your personality and all of these things that are so essential to living. Mm -hmm. And I think that you might lose out on the chance to truly live before you can even start. Yeah, that's a good point too. So it's like, I totally get that part about especially like career making and, you know, if you need to savor the time you have left, but it's like, it would be so fundamental to what happened to your personality and your formation as a human that it's like it's irreversible Mm -hmm. so it could go either way but i I think 22 is a completely random number that she chose oh absolutely i don't think there's any actual meaning behind (laughs) it she probably was just like what's a good number and 22 popped into her head and it's fine but it's but it's it gives the reader it's up to their own interpretation of how, what what they feel about that and it makes you this book in its sense makes you reflect on your own life 100 percent. and so you can oh, think yeah. back to like when i was 22 if this had happened would i have lived my life differently so it's you know i get it <laughs> yeah and you also have to look at even people who are 22 now are mm-hmm. way more involved in so the social climate, yeah. political climate than mm-hmm. I ever was when I was that age. Mm-hmm. So all of those things are moving younger and skewing younger and people are being more educated, mm-hmm. not uh, institutionally, but educated just in the broader sense mm-hmm. than they ever were before. So I think that if this were 10 years from now, 22 is like full adult. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. God, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So knowing the length of their string causes many characters to rethink their careers, their dreams, even their views on marriage and children. Some people quit their jobs, shutter their businesses, others travel to distant lands. How would knowing about your string or not knowing about it affect the way you lived your life? That's that's kind of like a hard question because it's you'd have to look at it from both perspectives of opening your box and not opening your box. So like I said mm-hmm. before, if I didn't open my box, I would probably just live my life how I'm living it now. But if mm-hmm. I open my box and depending on the length of my string, I w- it would definitely make me do a lot of life-changing decisions that realistically, which I guess in a sense, it's kind of ironic because if I did look at my string, it would be the kick in the ass to make the life-changing decisions that I know I need to make, but I'm not mm-hmm. in realistic in my current real life. So it's kind of ironic that I'm like, no, I don't want to know because then it puts a pressure on me and makes me scared and I don't like doing things that upset people. You're still thinking about this book. I'm still thinking about this book. This book fucked me up. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I would hope that 
regardless, it would affect the way I lived in a positive way. And I know yeah. that I'm not always the most positive person. But if I were a short stringer, I would 100% travel the world, yeah. spend time with people I love, and try to earn some good karma for my next trip to Earth. And if I were a long stringer, I would hope, this is the hard part, I would hope that I wouldn't take that for granted and that I would be able to mm. be a voice for short stringers and enjoy every moment with my friends and family, especially if they had shorter strings. But that's the part that's so complicated because right now, even though we know that we could die literally at any time, mm. we still think with this mindset of we have so much time left. So like you said, it, we do need a kick in the ass to change certain circumstances in our life and we just keep putting it off and the days just keep passing and you know we think we have so much time and before we know it years have passed so i feel like that would having a long string would be as hard as having a short string in that aspect yeah i wish you because weren't personally you attacking work. me right now but you know <laughs> it's such it's not not a fun time for me right now don't do anything dramatic tomorrow i'm not no i'm not trust me but like you know it's like you said yeah i think having a short string would put your life in a obviously put your life in a different perspective knowing the longevity difference but it's mm -hmm. almost like i feel like it's almost beneficial to live your life like you have a short string because you're going to want to accomplish everything that you've wanted to and not and stop putting it off like i'm the world's biggest procrastinator i have been mm -hmm. my entire life so i think if i had a short string it would make me want to do all the things I want to do because I would then I would die with regrets and I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I think basically I'm convincing you that you would have to open your box. But let's I feel carry like on. He, I feel like you would pressure me into doing it. <laughs> you would be the Mora like to my knee or you would be the the what was it? Yeah the Mora to my Nina because yeah, didn't she not want to yeah. open it? <laughs> yeah. She was like, I mean you don't have to open it, but I'm opening mine. Yeah. And Nina's like, well I'm not gonna let you open it by yourself. Exactly. <laughs> That's that's like the epitome so, of our relationship. If you're not, if you're going to do it, I'm obviously going to do it. Like, I mean, okay, fine. I guess we're doing it then. I, I guess you made the decision for us. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Okay. So, in today's world, do you think the arrival of the strings would bring out the worst in people or the best? Would you view the boxes as a gift or a curse? It would bring out the worst in this climate of life. It would bring out the worst in people because. Mm -hmm. We're at a time in our lives right now where things are just so screwed up. Things that were resolved years ago are now coming back to light and becoming an issue again when there's no need for them to become an issue. And people would use this as an excuse to do all the disgusting, terrible things that they want to do because there's no repercussions. If I'm going to die next week, I can be an asshole. And a thousand percent. The, the climate that we live in and the type of people that walk this earth, a majority of them would they wouldn't use it in a positive light they just wouldn't and that's so unfortunate to say i couldn't agree more i i totally agree that our world is in a very difficult time right now i think any little catalyst can bring mm -hmm. out the worst in people and i definitely think it would be a balance as it was in the book starting off really shitty and then people finding a way to find the positive and start a revolution where in the book, the young people weren't obsessed with their boxes. They decided they weren't going to open mm -hmm. them and, you know, people wouldn't be discriminated, discriminated against. But unfortunately, I think that these things usually start out negatively they do. before they can be reframed. And yeah. sometimes they get so bad that the upswing is barely it's not a, balancing it's, yeah, out. It's not bringing the effect that it should because the 
it it would truly be the catalyst that would rip this earth apart. There would be nothing and left. Mora even mentions that at one part, saying that, you know, things were slowly starting to change for the short stringers, but it was just nothing compared to how badly, how quickly they went badly in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly how it would be. So there's the obvious danger and drawbacks of the boxes, but there's that little positive part too. And I think the reason that personally, I wouldn't want to know, like I said, if I got my box, I have to open it. But the reason that I wouldn't want this whole thing to happen is something that Amy said. And we know I don't like Amy, but she had a good quote in here. Since the strings arrived, so many of our conversations are about such big, heavy ideas, literally life and death. And I miss talking about the little things, especially in a city filled with so many wonderful little things. Everything has instantly become heavy and life or death. And there's not much space to just enjoy life, whether it's a little time or a lot of time. And we see this where Mora and Nina are planning their wedding and Mora insists on going to the rally instead of living in that small moment with Nina. And I'm not saying who's right or wrong in that situation, because I truly don't know. Like Mora is fighting for something that is has become her entire life and that she feels fulfilled fighting for. But then she's also missing out on that, that day of little moments with the love of her life, who she knows that she has limited time with. Mm-hmm. So there, there is no right and wrong. There's not, especially in, in this situation, because it's almost like you can live your life on two separate timelines. You can you can either you you can try to look at it as what would what would be the outcome if I did this and what would be the outcome of what I did this. It's basically what we do on a daily basis, but it's so much more amplified in this and it's so much more intense and, and tangible. Exactly. And so, you know, Mora would rather put herself into something that's bigger than her because she gets more out of it because mm-hmm. she wants to be like she wants to change somebody's life and this changes her life whereas with Nina of course it changes her life but on a smaller scale than right. what is currently going on in the world mm-hmm. and Nina's basically walking on eggshells to make sure that Mora is okay mm-hmm. and in the end Mora does the best possible thing she has the best possible ending she ends up working for that foundation mm-hmm. and you know exposing the big secret with Jack and you know taking that piece of shit president down off of his pedestal but i really liked how that came full circle because like you said it was something that was bigger than herself she wanted to have a lasting impression especially Mm -hmm. knowing that she would not be around to keep fighting Mm -hmm. so before we get to our ratings i want to read one more quote from the book which really resonated with me a lot what if we knew that our waiter our cab driver our teacher had a short string would we show them greater kindness And it's like a whole nother layer Mm -hmm. of not just looking at how you would deal with your string and you would deal with your families and your friends or your support group, but complete strangers. Like, would you treat them differently if you knew that they only had a month left to live? Would you be kinder to people? Because the fact is, it's true Mm -hmm. that any of us could die at any time. So why aren't we kinder? Why aren't we treating people better? That is the conundrum that seems to never have been solved when it's so fucking easy to solve. (laughs) And so obvious. And this is coming from a grumpy person. I know. It's just, it doesn't, (laughs) it, 
it takes you five seconds to just be nice to somebody and to not be a total dick. And it's Mm -hmm. the people that do that are just actively being assholes. And it's like, why? Like, what what does that does that really bring you joy to be mean Mm -hmm. to somebody else? So it's Mm -hmm. and it's like that whole thing of, you know, what you used to hear when you're younger, like, you never know what struggles other people are going through. And this is exactly Mm -hmm. that. Like, you do not know. Mm -hmm if they're struggling knowing that they're going to die tomorrow mm-hmm. or that they're not going to see their children grow up or it, it's just, it's mind blowing. Uh-huh. This book is fucked up. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm upset. I'm upset. Okay. <laughs> I'm upset. So are you ready to get to the ratings? There, there was one other thing in the book that I really enjoyed that came full circle was the conundrum of Mara and wanting to be a mom and how because early on in her relationship with Nina, they decided that they did, they did not want to have kids. But when Mara finds out that she's going to have a shorter life, it makes her reflect on that decision and makes her think, wait, do I want to have, do I, do I want to experience that? And in the end, you know, she decides not to because she knows it's not something that Nina wants and it's, it would be too much. And then in the end, Nina ends up becoming the guardians of Amy's children because Amy died young. So even though, again, Nina didn't want children, it was kind of thrust upon her and she did amazing at it. So it's Mm -hmm. that whole... And she wouldn't have had it any other way. That whole full circle moment of just knowing that Mara wanted kids and then deciding not to because she knew Nina didn't want them. And then Nina ended up having children as her, you know, had to raise children as her Mm -hmm. own. It's just, that was a really beautiful situation for me. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And I definitely knew that this would be a different reading for you also Mm -hmm. as a mom yeah and it's like i can't even imagine that part of it yeah but i really loved how that came full circle i also really loved how it was such a small thing but when ben finds that random girl who received the lungs from yes oh because he was an organ donor that and it was and it was someone who was you her story was told earlier on in the novel and so again mm-hmm. this author just did such a great job of really bringing things together and introducing them at different points in the novel that you think are insignificant and then you get to the end of the of the novel and you're like oh no that moment was significant that little moment that exactly. she put in the book it all ties in i don't think she left any loopholes i think everything was really nicely tied up and it all mm-hmm. made sense when you got to the end and it wasn't just those eight characters even though like we said it was mm-hmm. from their povs like it was this so was much more a random person that he met in the er and mm-hmm. the mom was saying i peeked in my daughter's box and i feel so horrible for betraying her but she has a long string and she's gonna survive and these lungs didn't work out but eventually they will mm-hmm. and the fact that it was hanks i was like mm-hmm. okay Okay, this intertwining is Mm -hmm. impressive. It is. Yeah, 100%. All right. So our rating scale is intersecting strings. Oh, that's fun. So how many intersecting strings are you giving this book? You know, it was funny because while I was reading it, I had seen so many people commenting about it on like Goodreads and saying this was like the best book I ever read. You know, it was instant five stars. And as I was reading it, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. But I wasn't getting that feeling that everyone else was getting until it hit the very end. And then it was kind of it all clicked together. And I was like, Oh, I get it. So throughout the book, I was like, I don't think I can give this five stars. I think it's just going to be like a strong four, 4.5. But no, when I got to the end of the book, I was like, No, this is actually a solid five star book. That's so funny that you say that because I was having the same internal Mm -hmm. struggle 
I am still giving it four and a half because I absolutely love the concept. I thought it was thought provoking. I mean, obviously, just mm-hmm. based on our discussion, I think it was fucking terrifying. I enjoyed reading it. But I think the problem that I had was just with so many characters and so many different stories. It's that most of the particular timelines couldn't be focused on enough. Like every character could have had a little bit more development, a little more impact. I think it's an amazing book club book. It really sparks a lot of discussion and just internal dialogue that I think is really interesting. And there's also a lot more that we could have gotten into regarding the social, Mm -hmm. societal, discriminatory discussions, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to keep it as close to the book as we could because you know how I get when I start ranting. But all that being said, I think as a debut novel, this is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. It's it's a concept that it scares me to think too much about. Like the existential dread is real, mm-hmm. and so for that, I think that she did an amazing job. I think that it could have been it could have been even longer, and I would have been okay with that. Like I with agree them with that. Diving into it more, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm. Am I happy we read it? Yes. <laughs> am I? upset we read it also yes yeah it was it was good it was like you yeah. said definitely a thought-provoking book and a good and way to start 2024 <laughs> oh my god this is a bad choice i apologize <laughs> everyone oh god it's an election year okay um anything else you want to add no great <laughs> That's all we have for you today. If you like what you heard, please make sure to follow, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. If you have any book recommendations, questions for us, or thoughts on this book, you can email us at fullybookedcalfpod at gmail.com. Also be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at fullybookedcalfpod to see our upcoming reads and to see other reviews of books that we are reading and not reviewing. Thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked and thinking about death constantly now. Fuck my life. Bye. (laughs) Bye.